Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to The Suitcase and The Scribe with award-winning journalist Scott Burnside and former NHL goaltender Mike McKenna, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of the Suitcase and the Scribe. Mike McKenna, you always look great to me. I, I, I look a little; it's a little bit different. I know I'm on the road. I'm in Raleigh, do some stuff down here. Uh, high above, if I look over here, high above the ice surface at PNC Arena, home of the five and zero Carolina Hurricanes. Um, how you doing, man? We got we've got some heavy stuff to talk about today, uh, but let's. I want to see how you're doing before we get going. You know, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I, I think that, man, across the board in hockey, people should feel a little bit nervous, maybe a little guilty. You know, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of emotions that are ranging throughout, especially, Scott, like retired subset of hockey players, maybe not as many that are currently in the game, the younger generation that may not have been there with some of the things that we'll be discussing later. Um, but yeah, in life, it's good, man. You know, I had the kids on the ice yesterday. I was out coaching my eight U daughters team. And um, it's pretty cool, you know, starting to get into coaching youth hockey, the people that come around Kyle Clifford from the St. Louis blues is his son is uh, kind of in that same grouping with my daughters so coaching him too. And it's, that's fun, man. You know, it, it, I've reached that dad status where I'm now living vicariously through my children and watching her have so much fun. And I can't wait for that myself. And I'm going to ruin it all, Scott. On November 15th, when I play in a Flyers alumni game for the oh, induction, my. the Hall of Fame induction of Rick Tockett and Paul Holmgren, my. I'm going to be a target and I'm going to probably wreck my back, Scott. I'm very nervous. Oh, I wish I could be there. That would be yeah. we, I, I, we want to. Can we include some video footage? And uh, I, there's got to be some pictorial evidence of whatever happens there. And I got to tell you. You know, such a huge fan of Paul Holmgren and, and Rick Tockett. Rick and I traded texts. Uh, still keep waiting to – I've got an open bottle of wine for him when he's in Atlanta uh, taping the TNT stuff. Um, but such a, it's such a great organization, and, and you were there at, at the end. And uh, I'm glad you're going to be uh, taking part in that. And I, I do want evidence that we can share on the suitcase and the scribe when you're done. I might get some audio clips. I mean, this is the 21st century. I can, I could live tweet this thing. I could stream it. I might even put my phone on my forehead and see who knocks it off first. I just got to get a good insurance plan. I am due for a new phone. I was honestly, though, I was, I was flattered that they asked me to play. I mean, I played one game for the Flyers. <laughs> Let's not act like I was a big deal for them, but uh, sometimes you need targets and that's been me. So I come in off the bench. Um, it's cool, man. Like it's, it's funny, Scott, that my career sometimes feels like a mirage, like it's almost surreal. That really happened. Did I really play in that league? And and events like this are kind of an affirmation of it. And I've just like everybody, I've missed the locker room. I've, I'm. It's going to be so much fun to be there. Um, so yeah, I was flattered. Uh, how about yourself? How are you doing? I mean, you're in an arena, which oh I God. mean, this has not happened much in the past couple <laughs> of years, Scott. You must be on cloud nine. Oh my gosh! Saw the uh, Canes and the Leafs on Monday night. We're going to talk. Canes, part of a, a, a group of historic undefeated group in the NHL. We'll talk that later on. And of course, the Leafs, man, it's uh, there's angst city. That's what it, the, Toronto is at. But, you know, here's I, when you were talking about coaching your um, your daughter and being on the ice with your kids and 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 missing the locker room. I, to me, that that all comes into focus with what we're going to start with, which is, of course, the fallout from the investigation into the Blackhawks handling 
of the sexual assault allegations against former video coach Brad Aldridge, which, uh, of course, were were it was completely botched by the Blackhawks. And and you're right. This is I think this is a time where everyone in the game needs to reflect on. You know, how did something like this happen? How did how did winning a hockey game or preparing for a Stanley Cup final trump doing the right thing and addressing a serious issue that was right in front of them? Um, you know, the, all the, the 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 some of the, the the penalties, if you will say, Stan Bowman stepping aside as GM of the Blackhawks, and then later in the day informing USA Hockey that he would also step aside as GM of Team USA for the Beijing Olympics. Uh, Al McIsaac also leaving the organization. $2 million fine for the Blackhawks, half of which will go to help victims of abuse. Uh, and my understanding is that the local in the Chicago area um, of, of abuse of, of all kinds. And um, Commissioner Gary Bettman still um, promising to have a what I can only imagine will be very uh, firm and heart-to-heart talk with Florida um, Panthers head coach Joe Quenville, who was the head coach at the time, was part of a meeting where the Blackhawks basically turned in, uh, a blind eye or delayed dealing with the uh, allegations in 2010. Kevin Day off the GM of the Winnipeg Jets, who was just about to leave the organization, the Blackhawks organization, to take the job in Winnipeg, will also be having a discussion with Gary Bettman. Um, I Mike, you 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 understand the dynamics of the locker room. You understand um, the relationships, uh, players, coaches, GMs, owners. When you see when you when you read the report that uh, was released yesterday, when you see what happened in Chicago, what's your gut tell you? What what what's your what's your reaction to it as a guy who lived in that environment for a long time? I wish I could say I'm surprised. I'm surprised by it, but I'm not. People that have become so goal-oriented and focused on the prize of the Stanley Cup, and this is true in life in general. When people have something that they're shooting for that they've wanted their entire lives, everything else goes out the window. And that's what happened here. And obviously, I can go into everything that's already been said. Lack of leadership on down starts at the top, blah, 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 because that's all true. But to me, it's just the fundamental desire to accomplish something so bad that you forget yourself as a human being. And when you're presented with adversity, you just clam up, you shut down and you say, screw it. We'll deal with it later. And that's not the right thing. That's not what should have happened. And I think that there's a factor at play here, Scott, that hasn't been discussed as much. It's been hinted at before, at least in the report as well, that I think, Oh, you had this little video coach that did something to a big hockey player. And why can't a man take care of this? And it's his problem. You know, this is just two guys. Like, no, it's a sexual assault. And it's a position of power. It's an abuse of power. It's coercion. I mean, this is a, this is not, I I really, if this was a man and a woman, it'd be so different, Scott, to me. I think, I really think that they would have a different perception. And I think that that's a problem. I don't know if it's the same way in today's society as it was in 2010, but I think that factors in. I think there's literally the thought process of, oh, it couldn't have been that bad. It's just a guy. It's probably two guys. Like, I think that's real. Okay. So that's my take that's outside the box here of what has been discussed so often because it's a complete perversion of the locker room. And the way that this chased a guy around, whoever it was, I mean, and, and I don't, I'm not privy to who it was. I don't know. I haven't asked those questions because I don't want to know, man. I don't want to dig. I've got everybody in the world going, hey, who was it? I'm like, I don't know, man. And I don't want to because I just, why? Why do you need to know? You don't. You just need to know that somebody was sexually assaulted. <laughs> and it was covered up. It was just like, it was the fact that Brad Aldridge got a letter of recommendation. That's the part that really sticks with everybody, Uh, and it should because it continued to go. But I can't simply accept the fact that that's the worst thing that happened because there was such a delay from the incident to when it was taken care of that all protocol that was written into the Chicago Blackhawks handbook when it comes to these types of things was ignored purely because of a focus on winning the Stanley Cup. And I think the sick part here, Scott, is that there's people that deep down in their hearts, Scott, would say, 
they did the right thing because they won the Stanley cup and God damn it. We may never win this thing again. If we don't do this, yeah. I think that's true. And, and I just have one more thing to say before we flip back to you. And I'd heard this over the years. This is not me saying this. This is what I'd heard from more than one person in the last 10 years. There's bad people running that team. Yeah. I've heard that from multiple people. Okay. And I never, again, I never asked who specifically, I don't know the reference to who that was. I'm not lobbing a bomb here at any individual, but I had heard that within hockey, that there was that perception and people in the know in hockey. And that's troubling because you come back and you just think of how many times Akeem Alou, okay, Steve Montador's concussions, sexual assaults. I mean, like, you know, Scott, this is, this is too much, man. Like this is systematic. So I'm, I'm, I'm stepping off my soapbox here, uh, but I'm passionate about this, Scott. And I just, you know, you've seen a lot of this stuff over the years come out, but have you seen this many things happen with one organization in what seems to be a condensed time frame? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a good point. You know, we talk about culture a lot and we talk about building a culture and creating one, a culture of winning. And what happened there was that it was a culture of winning again above all else. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Pollyanna. I, I truly am not. I, I have to tell you, I was, I, at least I, I thought it was important to hear the Blackhawks uh, and was the CEO, Danny Wirtz, who, um, you know, basically in a letter to the fans, you know, talking about how they failed as an organization, how John Doe, the victim in this case, how he deserves so much more from that organization and how he was failed. And, you know, what has, you know, what are the ramifications for that young man in his life? It, it's, it's mind boggling. The fact that, as you point out, Aldrich gets a day with the cup, he celebrates, he stays, there's a three week gap. He gets a glowing letter of recommendation after he is basically forced to resign. So the team doesn't have to deal with it. And he goes on to sexually assault a teenage uh, or high school uh, yeah. hockey player. It, and, and, it, and real quick, there was a layover there at yeah. Miami university in Ohio. Yeah. And there were at least one incident. And this, I do not believe involved the team. Okay. Mm-hmm. But there was an incident while he was employed there and he was fired immediately. And Miami university completely exonerated of anything wrong, any wrongdoing because they handled it the right way. Right. Yeah. So just, there is a layover there. I mean, and this, mm-hmm. That could have been done by the Blackhawks, yeah. but it wasn't. Well, you just, I mean, you, you and I, it, this is here. Here's what I'm, I, I'm hoping has happened since this, uh, you know, exploded, whatever term you want to use, since this be, was laid bare on uh, Tuesday afternoon, that you have to hope that, and not just every NHL organization, but every pro sports team, every hockey team at every level, that there's some real soul searching about, well, how would we, how would we have handled that? How would we have done different? How would we have done the right thing? And I hope there's a lot of soul searching at every level in any of those organizations to really ask those hard questions about, would we have done something better or different? You hope that the timing, you know, the decade that's passed has given us a different sensitivity to these kinds of things. But I do hope that those are the kinds of questions that are, are being asked in boardrooms and locker rooms um, around the sporting world today. I wanna, I'm curious now, there are a couple of, you know, a couple of things that, that are now the dominoes are in are teetering and some are following. We know that Stan Bowman announced to USA hockey that he would step aside as the uh, GM of the U S Olympic team. I, I got to tell you, it just, it makes my blood boil that, the, you know, the release is Stan Bowman informed us I, where, you know, he beat him to the punch. Like Scott. Was, huh? he, beat him to, he beat him to the punch. Wow. It's the same thing. You know, he steps aside in Chicago. He steps aside with the, with the U S Olympic team. Though he could no longer perform those roles, and it should have been, in my mind, USA Hockey should have been out in front of this immediately and said, "We we can no we are severing our relationship with Stan Bowman. He can no longer be the GM of this Olympic team because it sounds like this was this is Stan's Stan's driving the bus on this, and given what happened." That's not what this is about. So it, it, the question now is, what does USA Hockey do in terms of the hierarchy there? Bill Guerin's the assistant GM. Um, there are 
some outstanding issues from his time in Pittsburgh uh, with a, a sexual assault of a completely different nature involving um, two of the coaching staff and, and one of the coaches' wives. Mm-hmm. It's a lawsuit, which I believe is it, my sense of it is, is not going to go forward. To me, it's a different uh, – to me, you cannot draw a line to what is going on with the uh, former coaching staff and Wilkes-Barre Scranton yeah. and what happened with – the uh, Blackhawks, but Bill Guerin's the assistant GM of the U.S. Olympic team, USA Hockey, did not say in their release that Bill Guerin would step forward as the GM. So I don't know where that stands. Again, unfortunately, vague reference to looking for a replacement. So uh, what's your what's your take on that? Do you have what's your what's your sense of how that unfolds? Because, you know, here we are at the, you know, again, it's very serious, but, but the, the Olympic tournament is getting closer and closer to us um, in Beijing in um, February of 2022. What, what's your sense of Stan Bowman stepping away and what that means to Team USA? I wonder if Trevor Daly's gotten a phone call from John Van Beesbrook. There's a yeah, serious think- messaging problem with USA Hockey. Okay, yeah. my kids are in USA Hockey. I went through USA Hockey. All right, I just want to get that clear. Okay, yeah. there was a lot of discussion when that hiring took place and i mean it seems like it's fine now that's great but like what are we doing here like i mean does everybody have skeletons do we all have them and we can't avoid it is that what we're at but i i think going forward like if if you know we had bill gurn on the other week he seemed so excited about it but he also seemed like from what he said hey stan's driving the boat with our team here yeah um and he was happy to learn and ride shotgun and do everything along now do you want to add that to your plate along with your, you know, NHL team? I, I, I can't answer that for him. I think Bill Guerin would be, I, man, I trust him to build a team, but I also think that he's new to the game when it comes to national level stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And Bowman has experience with that. You look at the Canadian side of things. I mean, Doug Armstrong's built, he's had plenty of work doing that. So I do wonder about USA hockey who steps, who steps forward is the true face of USA hockey. Yeah. And, and as, in terms of candidates, you know, you, you kind of have to start going down the list and I don't, I don't think you want to go for, you know, bring in and retreads from years ago, but I'm not sure where it goes, you know, yeah. it really seems like the natural candidate, but I mean, yeah. do you go off the board? Like, <laughs> you just well, don't know. And, well, and again, I, you know, just as the Blackhawk investigation, you know, was ultimately laid bare. That was the promise and it and was fulfilled. You know, to me, USA Hockey owes, they owe Bill Guerin and they owe everyone in USA Hockey, all of the participants. It's, it, you know, this is an organization that represents you know, hundreds of thousands of, of, of hockey players, men, women, boys, yeah. girls, the whole thing. Wounded, owe, I mean, wounded warriors, veterans, well, exactly. sled hockey, disabled all hockey, blind them. hockey. Great point. And, Massive organization. And they owe transparency and honesty. And they, they need to be really honest and transparent with Bill Guerin, too. Because, again, I don't think you can draw a line between what is going on with the, his former role in Pittsburgh and what happened in Chicago. Um, you know, it, it, Chris Drury is a guy in, in New York who has uh, some international experience. My guess is that he would be sort of next in line. You know, you, you talk about veteran people. I mean, does, you know, does Brian Burke, um, you know, his role at, in Pittsburgh as president of hockey ops, he could slide into certainly to helping out with USA hockey. But it, to me, it's about the messaging now from USA hockey. What are you doing and why are you doing it? And, and, and they have to be very careful about what, what kinds of implications, um, you know, as, as they move forward with that. Yeah. So I'm curious that and here's the other question before we, we move on and we'll talk about real hockey. This is so important. Um, I, I'm curious to see, we already know that Gary Bettman is going to meet with Kevin Cheveldayoff and, and Joel Quenville and Joel, for me, it's much more problematic given that he wrote a glowing review of Brad Aldrich after being made aware of the sexual assault allegation. He insisted this summer when the investigation came out that he didn't know anything about it. Um, I, I am curious to see where the league st- you know, comes down on this because it's, it, 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 you know, Chicago is sort of cleaned house. Chicago is, it has cleaned the slate there. They've made promises to move forward, all those kinds of things. 
Um, but there are other people who are involved in a, in a meaningful way in this. And I, I think that uh, a, I was surprised that they both Kevin Chevaldeff and Joel Quenville weren't suspended or put on administrative leave until Gary Bettman had a chance to have a full airing of what happened there. And I have to believe that there are sanctions coming um, down the road. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I think Kevin Chevaldeoff is probably in a better position here, given his testimony that was presented. Um, There are people who can get caught in the machinery of things like this very easily. Mm -hmm. Guilty by association. I mean, if you're in a car and one of your buddies robs a joint and hops in your car, you're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what we're looking at here. So I, I think the testimony that was given by Joel Quenville is definitely problematic. It's contradictory. It flies in the face of saying, I didn't know anything about it. And that's not the case here. Um, there was, from what it reads in that testimony, it says, basically, let's worry about the Stanley Cup. We'll take care of it later. Yeah. Uh, and that was pretty clear from Joel Quenville. And yeah. um so I don't know the ramifications from, with this one. I don't know where this goes. It seems like to me, I mean, you know, you just find a team, 2 million bucks. And I don't know if the NHL, the NHL can't tell people who to hire and who not, but it's, <laughs> I mean, pretty obvious what happened. Chicago's yeah. cleaned house. Um, do I expect sanctions on Joel Quenville? I'd be kind of surprised if there wasn't Scott. Yeah. Uh, just because it's contradictory. It's not, it's, I mean, it, it doesn't, it does not appear to be honest. And there was somebody hurt by it. And I don't know how you associate the level of culpability here yeah. because ultimately the head of the organization was, was McDonough and he's the one yeah. who stamped everything. And Stan Bowman made very clear that basically said, I had my guy it wasn't me. And he just yeah. passed the buck. Right. Like he did take some responsibility in saying, you know, I should have done better, blah, but it was more or less, Hey, McDonough did this. Yeah. And, and that's where I kind of think about the machinery of everything, catching people that it's tough when you've got somebody in a position of power, right? Somebody has got to have the guts to stand up and say, no, man, this is wrong. And we are not doing this. Yeah. And in 2010's world, that didn't happen often. You shut up, you fall in line. It's hockey culture. And that's what I relate to at the very beginning when I said, don't we all have some guilt in this as players and hockey people? Yeah. I feel I was, I'm not even attached to this thing and I feel guilty about it as a hockey player yeah. because I feel like our culture created this. Yeah. I, I don't think you're wrong at all. Yeah. You know, no, I'm not wrong. And, and I, and I flip this back and I hold this, I hold this dear to my heart that I think hockey is in such a better place now, but these things keep coming out. And when they come out, they perpetuate this. And you wonder, is this where we want to be? Do I want our kids to take part in this? And absolutely. I want my kids to take part in this because I think it's better now. I think it's cleaned up, but we can't guarantee that Scott. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, again, it's, 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 it's true. And I believe you uh, uh, along. I believe you when you say that you, think things are better because I think things are better. I think that, that our understanding of the culture is different. It's, it's a slow process, but I think it's also important then. Well, what is the messaging then from the national hockey? I got to tell you that yeah, I see the $2 million fine and I'm like, Oh man, oh, they find the devil's 3 really? million bucks for the Kobe contract. Well, for did, a contract. Did they, we got a took, guy who got sexually assaulted as a player. Yes. And his life is like thrown in the blender for the rest of it. Kofi's riding yachts around and nothing happened to the devils. Yeah. It, like, come on, really? That's where we're at on this? Like, yeah, I, I, I thought, well, and that's, I, again, I, I thought the NHL missed the boat in, in terms of, uh, you know, being able to really, again, to, the, the optics of this are so important and the messaging of, you know, again, it's the messaging of Stan Bowman steps aside as, so, as opposed to the organization saying we, we have fired Stan Bowman. That's, and, and yeah. you know, Again, semantics, but it's important. And I think it's important what the NHL does now with Joel Quenville and maybe to a lesser degree, Kevin Chevel day off pending, you know, what Gary Bettman is able to, to, to find out in this discussion. But to me, it's really important what, what the next step is for people who were really involved and were in a position to change the outcome. And for me, you know, writing a glowing, you know, work review for Brad Aldrich, um, I just, I don't, to me, there has to be a reckoning for Joel Quenville. And uh, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anyway, 
yeah, it's, it's yeah. important to talk about my friends. So. Well, it, it is. And this is like, you can tell like it's, gets my blood pressure up because it's a passion play. It's like a, I love this sport more than anything, Scott. It, it is the dearest thing to me, but man, I've, I've been through things personally that were just, no human should have been through with hockey, with life in general. And it was because it was hockey culture. That's just what happens. You know, I turn a blind eye and like, I'm so sick of that. And I'm glad that we're getting better about it. But if we don't talk about this stuff, if we're not honest about it, I mean, I even feel nervous talking out candidly about this. It yeah. makes me nervous. It shouldn't make me nervous to point out the fact that the Blackhawks absolutely royally screwed the pooch on this. Yeah. Why should I feel nervous about that? Because that's what happened. I'm nervous because I'm afraid that somebody in hockey is going to look at, oh, Mike McKenna spouting off about something. What does he know? He was and like, that's how I feel. I'm being honest with you right now. And that's what keeps people clammed up and afraid of talking is that they think they're going to be silenced and that they're not going to be able to get jobs in the sport. And dude, that's just wrong. Yeah. So we can belabor it all day long. And it's a, it's a subject that has to be talked about, but this is the suitcase in the scribe. And we do have other things that are much more joyous in life. We've got a hockey season going on. We've got teams that are undefeated in the National Hockey League. One of them is the Florida Panthers, coached by Joel Quenville, and they're playing phenomenal hockey right now. The St. Louis Blues, the Edmonton Oilers, and the Carolina Hurricanes, who you've seen in person. Who's going to keep this streak going the longest, Scott? What have you seen from Carolina that you like so much? Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a fascinating um, situation. I, I happen to be talking to uh, Doug Armstrong for a, a story I'm working on and, you know, talking about the Blues start. David Braun, what a, it's unbelievable. The guy scores every night. He's just, he's, he never slows down. Of course, my Edmonton. favorite fantasy hockey player. Got him on my team last year, and I made sure I had him this year, Scott. <laughs> but you got hometown knowledge there too in St. Louis. Yeah. But, well, we went to our, um, we went to his first training camp. I went to him with in 2007 with the Blues when he had white oh skates, God. and Andy Murray threw like spray painted his skates black because it was unacceptable in hockey culture. I love that. Well, I, I did a piece on David during the uh, run to the Stanley Cup final in 19. Of course, this is his third go round. Uh, he's only signed with the Blues. I know that's it exactly. So uh, he's a great story and a really interesting guy. And that Blues team, you and I talked about this as we were leading up to the start of the season. You know the pressure on Craig Berube and how you know they have not looked really right since winning the cup in nineteen. Um, Edmonton's another you know of the undefeated teams. I think Edmonton maybe you know and maybe it's. Uh, just, you know, playing in the Pacific, I don't know why. I don't know why I think this, but maybe they're the ones that can can keep the role going the longest. I got to tell you, they they have been so impressive to me, and you know, I've had some early injury issues. Mike Smith out, and you know, Mikko Koskinen and coming in and playing well. That blue line, which I think a lot of us wondered what it was going to look like, they have been, I think, much better defensively. And of course, um, Zach Hyman has just fit in so nicely. Boy, up he's front been good. And, yeah, yep. really good. But you ask about Carolina, and I'm here now and do some stories, writing, for, doing some stuff uh, for the Canes while I'm here. And, um, you know, it's, it starts with Rod Brindamore, it always does. But I, I really, I, and I think a lot of us wondered, hey, what's the goaltending going to look like? Um, as they moved on from uh, uh, Nadelkovich, who's in they moved Detroit, on from everybody. And, yes, and uh, <laughs> of course Peter Morazic goes to Toronto. James Reimer, twenty minutes. Um, you know James Reimer's in San Jose, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. and uh, for the second and of time, course, Frederick Anderson here as a starter rolls to a five and zero start. Uh, he has been outstanding. Just really. Solid um, stole a game in Nashville for the Hurricanes, and that back end is you know they had to plug the hole created when Dougie Hamilton signed the big deal in uh, New Jersey. I uh, got a chance to talk to Ian Cole, one of my favorite people. I hadn't seen him in years, um, but true, you know, warrior mentality, a winner, a, a guy in your room that I think is so critical. Whether it's October or May, you want Ian Cole in your room. You know, Tony D'Angelo has been, uh, you know, a seamless fit so far. That's a huge story there. Undercover yeah, he, huge story. Yep. Yeah. He's, uh, he has, um, you know, so far it's been, it, it's been, it's been good for the team. And I think good for Tony D'Angelo. I haven't spoken yes. to him. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just that they're, they're a team that I think they're, you have to put them as one of the top two or three teams in the Eastern conference, a lot of competition though. So, so mm-hmm. I, I, I had my bets. I say Edmonton keeps it going longer. I know Boston's in town on, on Thursday and they always seem to take a bite out of the hurricane. So that's why I hedge a bit on that. Who do you, 
and maybe it's not who goes longest undefeated, but which of these teams, and this is an NHL record, this never happened that four teams have won at the start of the season at least 5-0. and Which of these teams is in a position to be, to sustain it long-term, do you think? Yeah, that's a great question, is who's going to keep this going? My I think short-term Florida, they're just crushing teams, man. That team's scary. Yeah, they got they got goaltending. They got scoring. Like, D's mobile. Like, Florida's good, man, and they believe right now. Um, I actually do think and, – and it's interesting because I wasn't as hot on Carolina as you were, and you have been right so far, Scott. <laughs> I wasn't sure if Carolina – you know, with just some of the moving parts there – I wasn't sure if they could capture it right off the bat. I thought they might struggle a bit early. Um, I really believed that Freddie Anderson was going to be a great pickup. I thought he was an upgrade over, over well, Mrazic, basically, and Reimer. Okay, I still think Nadelkovich would have been the answer, but that's out the window at this point. So um, Freddie's been great. I knew he'd be rejuvenated there. But it does all go through Rod Brindamore. Yeah. And, and you look at their success over the past couple of years, I think this is the team you're looking at to sustain it. Yeah. I, and I look at that division and the Islanders have started off. Okay. Washington is very good, Yeah, but man, Carolina just continues to play inspired hockey. And that's what I look at for teams that I, and I become nervous about that. I think in a good way, I like, if I was playing against them, I'd be nervous. Cause I know every night they're going to bring them. They're going to skate. They're going to forecheck. They're going to do things the right way. And then they got Aho and Tara Vinan and Svechnikov doing what are, you know, doing what they do. And they make you nervous because they're so skilled. Um, I think St. Louis is, they've been good so far, uh, but they've been a bit loose at times. And Edmonton, I, I, Edmonton just is hard for me to read. I think Dave Tippett's a big reason why that team's playing the way they are. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if they can sustain, but they're going to keep steamrolling people. That will keep happening. They will steamroll people. Um, but man, Carolina does look real, Sky. Dude. I, I I should have deferred to your knowledge because I knew you had insider knowledge, but I had my gut feelings, man. And sometimes I got to roll with them. Uh, and, and I just, I think about it this way too. Like the teams in the East, it's pretty amazing. Like that Metropolitan Division, Scott, is just sick right now, man. Every team's above 500. Yeah. Like Columbus is four and two. And by the way, I, th- I think that Columbus is really, you know, we may touch on this if we get time, but I think they're riding a wave of, uh, of really having a uh, inspiration, you yes. know, of, of everything that happened this summer with Matisse Kavluniak's and Elvis Merzlikens is, you know, Elvis Merzlikens referred to Matisse as his little brother, you yeah. know, and the tragedy that ensued and, and everybody that was caught up in that from Manny legacy to the whole organization. And as tragic as that is, you find inspiration, you play for people, you, you know, I, I played for my daughters my last year. Right. And who's to say Columbus can't make something happen. They're four and two, like the Islanders are coming. I mean, even jerseys, they're three and two and Philly's lurking. Like I, I think that Metro division, Scott is scary. I don't know who's going to not make it come playoff time. Like I, I don't think New Jersey will. I don't think Columbus will, but right now I'm not, I can't write it. Can you write anybody off from that division? No, it's a, and it's a great point. And I, I think, you know, I sort of, I was, I was all in on the, you know, how the Atlantic was so top heavy and they were going to, you know, that's where the, you know, I, I really, I believed in Florida. I felt they were ready, especially after last year and, and playing in that compelling series against Tampa in the first round, that Florida was ready to step forward. Boston's always there. The Leafs, again, you assume they're going to be a, you know, a cup contender or a team that is sort of a, a locked into a playoff spot. But, but your point is excellent. Like in Pittsburgh, I know they got the manhandled by Tampa. That was their uh, first regulation loss, I think. Um, but Pittsburgh without, Crosby, who should be coming back sooner than later, without Malkin, Latang, Gensel early on, they've continued to play very well. So surprisingly, in the mix. So I, I throw it to you. I, I wouldn't have thought it. I sort of imagined four and four, four teams from each: the Metro and the Atlantic in the East. Maybe five from the Atlantic because you never knew what was going to happen with Montreal. But are we now looking at five teams, likely or quite possibly from the Metro? which is going to mean a team like a Boston or a Tampa or a Toronto, Tampa's not off to a great start, mm-hmm. um, that, that, they, that they're suddenly fighting for a playoff spot that you might have assumed they were going to be in 
um, if they're if, if it's possible that there are going to be five teams going from the Metro. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, it does. I th- I think I had, if I remember right, on my preseason predictions, which there's I really don't like doing those, but we all have to. Uh, yeah. I think I had five from the Atlantic. I want to say. Yeah, I, th- was, I think uh, I had Florida, Tampa, Boston, in, Toronto, Montreal. You were all in Montreal, I think. Were you? Hey, I've, I I, I will. I'm going to be taking I'm going to be taking shrapnel over this pick for quite some time I think cuz Montreal looks terrible right now. Oh my gosh. Like Seattle they're just, an absolute wreck and I feel yeah. awful for Jake Allen getting trotted out there every night with no other help like it's oh, that's rough man like their goal differential yeah. dash 14 I mean your young guns aren't present the puck's not getting moved to him anyway. Yikes. Bergevin's doesn't have a contract next year like kind of what's going on there. Um, yeah. So I, I think I'm going to feel the pain on that one for a while. Cause I had five coming out of the Atlantic. I think you're going to get five out of the Metro now. Yeah, I really do. And yeah. I, and I, I mean, Boston started off fine. Um, Tampa. I can't imagine Tampa not being there at the end. I Agreed. really can't, but I do worry about Toronto. That's the team that I think we all thought was a lock on playoffs. That is in a mental fog right now. Yeah. They cannot get it together. Yeah, it's that's so I'm I, like to me. And of course, I covered the Leafs for a couple of years. It's there is no other place like it. There just isn't. It's such a it's so delicious because everything <laughs> is everything <laughs> is, you know, the, the pendulum never stays in the middle. Right. The pendulum is, oh, my God where should we start the parade route? What, you know, what's it going to be like when they, you know, when we, the Leafs win for the first time since 67 and then the next day, or maybe five hours later, it's like, Oh my God, we're going to miss the playoffs. Fire everyone, fire Brendan Shanahan. Uh, And, but this Leaf team is, it just, they, they are not, they don't do the little things right. They don't take advantage of their strengths early on. Mitch Marner has been, he got absolutely undressed on a critical goal here Monday night by uh, Jacob Slavin. Um, they just, you know, they got up early on a Austin Matthews goal. It wasn't a great goal for Freddie Anderson, but um, the Canes were the better team from, even though they were down one nothing. the Canes were the better team in every moment of that game. And, I, you know, the, the Leafs do play Chicago, so two lousy teams, somebody's going to have to win. But uh, it, it is it is going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, the, the, to me it's all about the balance of the patience and whether it's Brendan Shanahan or Kyle Dubas, the GM there, the patience to ride this out, understanding that at some point they are going to be the team that we imagine them to be, but also balance that against what, what it, do you need a catalyst and, and, you know, whether is that firing someone? Is it I, to me, the whole trade thing is ridiculous. It's hard to do, but do you, is there a catalyst needed to get out of the funk? And I, that's to me, the great line that all GMs and owners and presidents of hockey ops walk when the team goes in the dumper. So what you, are you patient or do, can you afford to be patient if you're Toronto? I think for once they have to be patient. And, and I think they have been, actually. I, I think that Kyle Dubas has been very patient with this team. Uh, and I'm not going to say overly so. I think they have the skill in place to make this happen. But the word that keeps coming to mind when I watch that team is immature. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget that there's still a lot of really young players on that team. I know they may be four or five, six years into their NHL careers at this point, but they are young individuals and human beings. And I mean, honestly, at this stage of the game, I'm starting to wonder, can Mitch Marner handle Toronto? I didn't buy into that for a long time because I thought, whatever, the guy's just in a funk. It's not happening. I'm starting to question it myself. Yeah. And I don't know the right way to go about that. I know Toronto's got every resource imaginable. I know that they've got people on call to do all the mental coaching they could possibly need, but ultimately the players have to do it themselves. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, no, you can't make a trade in this world. Like, man, like seriously, look at trade. St. Louis couldn't move Tarasenko, you know, Buffalo couldn't move Eichel. Like, and I know those are people that have injury things associated yeah. with them, but it's like, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, you probably could have moved those people pretty quickly. I think the way the cap, the cap is now, it's just, it's not happening. Like you kind of yeah. got to run with what you have. And, you know, I think Sheldon Keith firing Sheldon Keith, that's not going to accomplish anything. 
Like, what are you? Gonna, who's going to come in? Who's going to take his place? Like, who's coming off the bench? You're going to bring in Torts. Torts going to whip him into shape. I mean, yeah. maybe that's Bruce your Boudreau. option. I know, you know? Bruce Boudreau. They're yeah. they're Toronto both sitting guy. on the sides. Uh, they're there, but I don't know. I think I think that a three game losing streak is not causation for firings and for burning a city on a team that has at least won two games this year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. you're not, and I don't, they got five points and we're seven games into a season. I think you've right. got to get to the 15, 20 game mark before you really yeah. start to look inward and decide that those tough decisions have to be made. Yeah. Well, I can tell you this, there's never a tough decision when it comes to getting food delivered to your door. And I know this is near and dear to your heart. It's one of my favorite parts of the podcast. So is the, the DoorDash is a proud sponsor of the nation network of podcasts, restaurants and more delivered right to your door. It's great. Good stuff. I, I wonder if they would deliver it up to the press box here at PNC arena. So this is, I, I'm cause I'm, um, it's gonna be a long day. Might need some nourishment as we get going. So, well, I, I tell you, our family got in a pickle a couple a week or so ago, and we just went, "Man, it's pizza night," and we didn't expect it. <laughs> and my wife, being from New York State, demands New York style pizza, and it's hard to find in St. Louis. But we have. There's a place called Boardwalk Pizza down the road, and guess who they're <laughs> delivered by? DoorDash to the rescue. <laughs> See, that's it's, it's perfect. I, I love that part. Uh, all right, what, we're going to wrap things up here in a few minutes. What else we got on here? What, um, what do you want to talk about? Um, for the Winnipeg Jets, three yeah. straight wins. I'm, 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 uh, I, 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 like, uh, I liked Winnipeg as a team, you know, and again, they were one of those teams in the first week or so. You know, it took a little while to get into gear, and they had, they've had some COVID issues, but um, I just, uh, you know, I got all kinds of time for Paul Maurice and uh, and Kyle Connor off to a great start. Andrew Kopp, it's I like that team a lot. Are, are you? What, what's your? Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you pleased? I would say pleased because you don't have any skin in the game. But are you, are you impressed with what you've seen of them recently? Well, I kind of do have a little skin in pick in the game here because I picked him as my Stanley Cup winner. So I, me and Frank Sarah Valley, our fellow, you know, our, our fearless leader at dailyfaceoff.com, yeah. we both picked the Jets. And I picked, I picked them on the strength of their lineup across the board. You know, I really like their back end. They address their defense. They made them more mobile up front. I think they're so deep. Kyle Connor's a stud, man. He flies under the radar. Like that yeah. guy's sick. Like watch him put the puck on his stick and watch him get to the net and finish. Like you, you talk about players in this league that can do a lot of things well, but they just can't finish. That's not Kyle Connor. The guy can just bury pucks and he does it in weird ways. Like pucks in his feet, doesn't matter. Get it in the net, you know, pucks way out in front of him. He'll catch up to it and find a way around a goaltender. I love that player. They're going to get a boost when Blake Wheeler gets out of COVID for sure. Um, They're only going to get better. But what we talked about making the D more mobile uh, is kind of, come back at them because they're goal differential and they're allowed, allowed a lot of goals right now. Like <laughs> they're six games in, uh, they've allowed 22 goals in six games. Connor Hellebuck's well below a nine save percentage. A lot of that has been built off the penalty kill though. Their penalty kill has not been good. It's running at 60%. You know, yeah. that's going to improve. You know that once the defense that's been brought in gets acclimated to the system a little better and learning the ways of how they want to kill, how they want to do things structurally, how Connor Hellebuck gets used to playing with those new players in front of him. Uh, I really still like Winnipeg Jets. Paul Stastny's had a couple of good games recently. I mean, you just I think that's a really well-built team. Yeah, I agree. Across the board, man. Like it's I mean, Paul Maurice, Jamie Compon, the assistant coach there, two-time Stanley Cup winner. Um, the guy won a cup in LA with Daryl Sutter. Yep. It's let go, goes to Chicago, wins a cup in Chicago, like back to back years on yep. the cup with two different teams, you know, rarity there. Uh, somebody in the coaching world who I don't think gets enough credit. And I just, I like Winnipeg, Scott. I think they're in the right trajectory, but man, they do really have to get their penalty kill clicking a little better and they need to start winning games four to two, yeah, not five to four. <laughs> I, I talked to Jamie for a piece I wrote on. He was part of a mentorship program during the COVID pause with the uh, NHL Coaches Association and mentoring um, uh, women coaches, at, mostly at uh, Division I um, in, in the U.S. And he was 
he was just such a treat to chat with. He just, yeah, he's, he's a guy that people should know more about. So yeah. good call by you. And Passionate. I was, I was, Passion. Yeah. And I tell you what, you want to see somebody crush a stationary bike and then get out on the ice and skate for three hours. Jamie Compon puts his players to shame because he's in better shape than half of the team. You want to set the bar high for your players, Scotty. You look to your coaches, man. <laughs> look at Rod. Look at Rod in Carolina. Rod, Brad Larson. We were talking, I was talking like, earlier about it. Brad Larson does the same thing in, uh, uh, in, um, in Columbus. So yeah, I, it's, uh, I yeah, saw that I firsthand. I had Brad Larson, Larson in Springfield. He'd be in there crushing the weights and the, it sets a tone for your players. Yeah, it truly does. Yeah. It's, um, it, it, I'm glad for, I'm, I don't know Brad all that well, but even though he was, he spent some time in Atlanta, but he, man, he, he is right in the Tortorella mold. I'll tell you that there's, there is, they win hard. And that's always mm-hmm. been the the identity, I think, of that team. I was thinking of you last night, though. I was watching the Colorado Vegas game, and you know, I think a lot of people. I I went off the board. I picked Edmonton to go to the uh, West Final against Colorado, but um, I think a lot of people still like uh, uh, a repeat uh, of a Colorado Vegas playoff matchup at some point in the spring. Uh, Colorado kind of eh, just kind of not quite in gear. But I've been really impressed with Vegas. You know, really dealing with a lot of injury issues, of course, with um, Mark Stone out, um, uh, obviously uh, Max Pacioretty out long term, long, probably longer than Mark Stone, Alex Tuck. It, there's a lot of stuff going on with Vegas, and, and yet it's I. They seem to be a team that it is really sort of addressing the the uh, the adversity in front of them. Well, they're hitting it head on, and they know they have to. The unfortunate part for Vegas is it really just puts all the weight of the world on the shoulders of what was known as their original misfit line, Carlson Smith and Marcia. So, because for the first part of the season, that was the only line that one played together consistently and two was producing and the power plays the worst. And the power play is Scott, frankly, they're going for the worst in the history of the league right now. They're 0 and 32. We're talking, we're talking five on threes. We're talking extended time. Like, and like they're floating pucks in from the blue line and hoping for tips. And it's like, no, man, you got weapons. Snap the puck around. Get your feet in motion. Look at teams that are that are going quickly. I'm not sure what the plan is there because uh, it's not bearing out. They had better chances last night um, against last night against Colorado. Colorado. Yeah, but I, I I think that Vegas still has that inner compete in them that they won't be out of games. Yeah. Right now, without the personnel, though, it is hard. Stone and Patri- Patrietti out of the lineup. Um, Chandler Stevenson's not the same without them. I mean, he yeah. scored last night, played well, but he's a key piece to those guys. And without those two, he's kind of the magic filler. You know, his speed yeah. is what creates space for those two more so than his puck skills. Yeah. Um, you know, the the defense has been lost at times. Like, Pete DeBoer's system's hard to play. You've got to be on people in a hurry. And, you know, you're filtering in young players, Dylan, Dylan Coglin's in the lineup and, and you're seeing growing pains with him defensively and some others. And I, there's a pluckiness to Vegas, but there's a very real concern there too. You know, yeah. coming into last night's game against Colorado, I felt they had to win that game from yeah. a mental standpoint, just to prove to themselves that they could still do this because I felt like Colorado coming out of a big win against Tampa Bay, I thought Colorado was going to steamroll Vegas and Vegas came out and made a statement right off the bat. They scored early. They rolled with the lead uh, and they managed to eke out a win despite the power play, not, you know, going over five or whatever yet again. So um, I don't know if Vegas can, without those players in the lineup though, I I'm not sure where they sit because Pacioretty's long-term stone. We keep hearing might actually be just as long as Pacioretty tucks out until 2022, you know, Nolan Patrick's out now. Um, there's there's rumors of Eichel still wanting to, them wanting to get Eichel. Yeah. Frank Valley reported on that yesterday on the Daily Faceoff show that there's yeah. still ongoing talks between the two, but Eichel's still three months out, four months out. So I have concerns about Vegas, but I have big concerns with Colorado right now. Like this is a team that should be clobbering everybody. Yeah. And they're not. They're two and four. Yep. You know, McKinnon was out for a while. He's back. They had a great game against Tampa. They were okay last night. In my season preview that I wrote about the Colorado Avalanche, my main question, Scott, was how much will they miss Jonas Donskoy? Yes. That was my pick. Yep. Their depth scoring is not there. 
Yeah. It's not. Brandon Brandon Saad as well in St. Louis. I mean, that's uh, those, uh, I'm with you on Donskoy. It's such an important part of that power play and, you know, the the supplementary, you know, the second unit or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But the, he was a guy that, you know, he he was a, he contributed mightily to to that team. Up and down the ice, two hundred feet. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting. And again, you talk about you know patience. It's again painfully early. They're two, as you point out, two and four. Giving up twenty three goals hasn't been. You know, it's just they're they're, they're just loose. not there. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. I, I put them in the same sort of category as Tampa uh, in that, yeah, probably not. I'm sure Jared Bednar and Joe Sackick aren't really happy right now with, with what's going on there, but that's teams, that team's too good. Yeah. But the Central Division is, you know, listen, Minnesota's off to that 5-1 and one start. We talked about St. Louis 5-0. and oh. Winnipeg's ahead. Dallas, I don't know, 3-3. Three and three. A lot of Braden Holby going on there. Nationals, yes. you know, like there's – it's never it can get late soon in that kind of division so it can and that's scott i i'm i'm curious to see where it goes because like you say colorado is a team that i don't think there's panic there i think there might there's probably should be a little more than there is if i'm in that locker room i think so because you can rest on your laurels a little too long and the next thing you know you're 20 games in you're going oh god guys we got to get it together yeah, now you got to jump four teams, or you know, yeah. and you know, and they're a team that can do it, but it's, yeah. you know, time's a waste. God, I love right. hockey. <laughs> I love you. Yeah, and you know, I, I always I, I say this. Um, I I always feel better after we get done taping. I, I always feel uh, I feel enlightened, and I feel yeah, no, I feel I, I always feel great when we get done our chats. But it is it is time to bring to a close this edition of the suitcase and the scribe uh, really appreciate your thoughts on the whole Chicago thing. It's just so critically important that we keep talking about these issues. But so thank you for that. And as always, thank you for your good work and let's do it again next week. How about that? We will. And let's have some fun. Maybe we'll find a fun guest, Scott. Good let's work this week as always. Like All right, pal. Thanks for listening to The Suitcase and The Scribe, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 